welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Tonight, I just want to bring an encouraging word. I feel like it's from the Lord, some things that God just uh, revitalized in my heart. I want to share it with you. I think it's a, it's a word for all of us. It certainly is a word for me. So it's a word in season. Uh, I've, I've entitled it, uh, Led to Victory on Dry Ground. And um, you'll get to, to, in the word there, understand where we're going. But I want to pray because I do feel like this is a message of importance to us at the moment. Uh, as we have been scaled back in our capacities of uh, joining in the worship experience with so many believers. And that offers such a buoyancy to us uh, when we come in together and it lets you know you're not alone. And uh, you can get that through a screen, but uh, we, we miss that. And uh, so there's been some things we've had to lay down and we know God has led us here. We're not afraid we're not cursing the government. We're not believing in conspiracies. We believe that there is a conspiracy, and it is the will of God. It's hidden, uh, as it were, from people. And, uh, and there is the secret work of God that is going on that people that do not know him don't understand. But, but Paul says those that know him uh, will discern the times, and these times won't come on you like a thief in the night. They won't come on you unawares. You will know the season. And so we know the season. We know that God's at work and we're trusting in him. There's never a time where God puts down, uh, you know, his work tools uh, with what he's doing until the age is consumed and his kingdom comes back. So our trust is in him. He is at work behind everything. And so our trust is in him. And so God has led us into where we are. And tonight I want to talk about that uh, because it can be part of our experience. And I just want to speak into that tonight and hope to encourage you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And if you need prayer, uh, right there in the, in the comments, leave your prayer request. Uh, let us know what we can pray for. Andy's going to be praying tomorrow with someone uh, uh, on Thursday prayer. And uh, we're praying church. We believe in it. Monday night prayer, you should be joining that as well. Uh, these are times to pray. Uh, but drop us a message there. Let us know what you need prayer for, and, uh, and we'll pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, your word gives light, gives light in the darkness. It, it, it enlightens our minds and lets us know and, and, and shows us things that aren't seen so easily uh, because there are so many things that are attacking our senses. Um, it can bring about such a darkness and uh, we can feel like we're groping in the darkness at times, trying to understand what's going on. And it can affect our worship. It can affect our faith. It can take us down avenues of doubt and fear that, Lord, you don't want us to be led down. So, God, tonight I pray as we get into your word that you would dispel darkness. You would give understanding where there is lack of understanding. You would give inspiration where there is no inspiration, you would give faith where there is fear, hope where there is hopelessness, and you would just bolster uh, your people tonight and undergird them one more time as we get together and delve into the book. We love you tonight and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Led through to victory on dry ground. One of the greatest lessons, I believe, 
that believers learn in their walk with God uh, as you journey with him is that the greatest deliverances that come in our lives, uh, they seldom happen at, at, the, at the times of mountaintop experiences and those times where we, we are inundated, with our senses are inundated and uh, we're in this, this great seasons of blessing when we, are at str- we, we feel like we are strong and we are at, at peace and everything is going well. And throughout the word of God, uh, from cover to cover, God's people experience their most faith-building and soul-enriching times when they are at their weakest and at the point of their greatest vulnerability. This is a biblical principle. You seldom see groundbreaking spiritual transformation and growth in spiritually high moments and seasons of great revelation and blessing. Uh, There are seasons of great blessing. There are seasons of great victory. There are seasons of great peace where we enjoyed the wind at our back, where our prayers just seem to be answered and, uh, and all is well. And there is a great spiritual hunger within us to worship and to pray and to be in the word. Those seasons enrich us and they do feed our souls and they're purposeful. The Bible says that there, in everything there's a time and there are seasons. Uh, and, and God is over that. God is over that, and it's, it's, it happens naturally in the world around us. There are seasons, and in each one of our lives, there are seasons. And, and all these seasons are formative to our faith, and, and they, especially the times of great blessing, are to be enjoyed and delighted in, and where our soul is satiated, and our minds are clear, and our revelation that God gives us is, is, is in sparking and inspiring faith. And God leads us into these great seasons of blessings. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not something that we produce on our own, uh, but it's something that God does and even in our lives. And he pours on us his spirit. And, and he speaks to us through his word. And we're full of faith and prayer comes easy to, to us. I don't know if you've ever been through seasons like that, but I've enjoyed seasons like that in my life continued seasons like that in my life, years of, of, of enjoying the, the, the fruitfulness and the blessing of God that way. And we often think that these experiences are the pinnacle of growth. And, and somehow we can come to believe that these plateaus of victory and joy and peace and refreshing that we are experiencing is what we're meant to live in all the time. And when they're missing, Somehow, uh, we've either failed God or God's not happy with us or some, some, there's some disconnect and we go into introspection and we start looking for answers and, and trying to understand, knocking on the door, uh, you know, as if the door is closed to us and, and God is absent. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that many Christians today have been neglected by their spiritual leadership and they've been led into a place where they live in a church culture that doesn't take them any deeper into discipleship and their understanding of the journey of faith uh, that they have been on uh, or they've been brought on and brought into by the Lord is not, uh, you know, it's not... Uh, that that pathway of ease and blessing at all times that there is more to the journey 
than just uh, these emotional highs and these wonderful experiences. And there's a mixture that's crept in to the theology of so many people's uh, of God's people. When I say theology, that's just what we believe about God. It's not a, a fancy term. It just means, and everyone is a theologian. Everybody has ideas about God. You don't have to go to seminary to be a theologian. It just simply describes what you believe about God. So there are many people that are living in mixture in their theology, thinking that these experiences, uh, these highs and these great, ex- these great exciting times uh, are meant to be lived in and, and will carry us through until we go to be with the Lord. And, and what, is, what happens is when there's that mixture and, and there's that absence of the, the other side of the coin that Jesus said, in this world you shall have much tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome it. Uh, when there's that mixture, uh, unfortunately, there are many of God's people that aren't prepared for seasons of difficulty. They're not prepared for seasons of struggle. And they're not prepared for seasons of weakness. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm conscious of that in, when I look at the younger generations and even the worship movements and all of these things where people are so caught up in an experience. And when they don't have that experience, where does their faith go? What happens to them internally? How do they balance difficulty? How do they balance mental health issues? How do they balance trial and tragedy when those experiences are lacking? And and I'm afraid that, uh, you know, that that many people have become uh, like Hosea 7, 8 describes uh, when, when the prophet Hosea spoke about Israel. He, he had a, he used an interesting term. He said, Israel is a half-baked cake. Now, that's not something, that's not a compliment, but it was describing a, a, a state of being that God's people, through mixture of theology and their ideas about God, they had mixed themselves with how the world viewed success, how the world viewed prosperity, how the world viewed God's blessings, and uh, they had formed their own idea about who God was. And and Hosea points it out. He says, you are a half-baked cake. You look good on the outside. You look the part. You're, you're fully formed. You're appetizing. Uh, but Hosea says, you're half-baked. Something inside you isn't formed. It isn't fit for use. It lacks substance. And I think this is the this is something I think that we could see as we look at church in the West and Christianity in the West. There is a lack of substance. There's a lack of substance in, in what we're seeing and what is happening today in people's lives is with, with everything that is happening all around. You see people being shaken. And wondering where God is because they've adopted certain theologies. And, and unfortunately, uh, these believers that, that have that mixture of the, in theology and their understanding of God is mixed. They're so shaped by feeling and experience that they have no depth. And they're partially formed, uh, like Hosea said, like a half-baked cake. God's desire for us is that we be fully formed. How many of you know that? Paul says, I labor for you in prayer, I labor for you in teaching, I labor for you uh, in the ministry, that Christ be fully formed in you. That's God's heart for you. God doesn't want to leave us half-baked, half-done. I don't know if you've ever had a half-baked cake. Uh, My kids love pancakes. 
And, uh, you know, and sometimes you're, you're trying to get those things out so fast, you give them to them and they come to you with this disgusting look on their face because inside there's pancake batter and it's not too tasty. It looks good on the outside, but it's runny on the inside. It's not fully formed. And, and God's desire for us is that, that our experience, our life is not dependent on our feelings and our experiences. And this is one reason why Jesus leads us into places, and that's right, I said Jesus, the Holy Spirit, leads us into places where our faith is going to be fully formed. You can't separate that. You can't separate out God's leading into difficulty for the maturation and the, 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 the full formation of believers. That's part of the journey. Trusting solely in him and his word. And you see this throughout scripture. You see this as a biblical pattern where God forms men and women's faith in seasons of great vulnerability and weakness where there's nothing around you or within you that you can lean on except God's word. And there are many seasons that we go through of personal trial that we are brought to that bring about radical transformation in our lives. But I think one of the greatest tests that we are brought through that bears a great deal of fruit are seasons of dryness. Seasons of dryness. And you read the testimonies of godly men and godly women uh, as they walked with God throughout scriptures. And every one of them testified of seasons of dryness that brought them on to greater depths of victory. You read Oswald Chambers. You read A.W. Tozer. You read other great men and women of God that have journeyed with the Lord uh, and have any depth of substance. Great people like Amy Carmichael. You read their uh, Hudson uh, Taylor, the great missionary to China. You read about their stories and you see seasons of great dryness that brought them to places of great victory, that there was no other way that they could have gotten there except across dry ground, where they felt nothing, they heard nothing, they saw nothing, they were walking in total faith, weak, vulnerable, and in need of God's touch. And these seasons are often, are often precluded or, are, are, uh, you know, come shortly after by times of spiritual victory and revelation. Uh, you know, I loved, I grew up, uh, part of the reason I, I became hungry for missions and, 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 and being a blessing uh, to other nations is reading the, uh, the biography of Hudson Taylor. You can get a hold of that, the old one, not in the full one, not the, not the abridged, but the, the full version. My goodness, the, the dry times that he went through, but the great victories and the harvest of souls that came in because this man was taken into places where, uh, where angels uh, dared to, to tread. And, and, but they often came at the, at the end of great campaigns of victory. Great, great, great advances in the kingdom were often uh, followed by times of great dryness. And the word of God is filled 
with godly men and women that were brought into a season of dryness on the hills of great times of blessing. I'm just going to name a few here. Abraham and Sarah, he's blessed. God appears to him uh, in his homeland and says, get out of here. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a nation of you. And he goes on this journey of faith and great blessing. God just blesses this man as his cattles increase, his servants increase. And God just blessing him. And, he, and he's being led and he's gone out and he comes into Canaan. And, uh, and God visits him in a season there and, and says, I'm going to give you a son. And, and God makes a promise and it's a great revelation. It's a great, and he looks up at the stars and he said, you see those stars? And, and these are, he said, these are going to be like your children. I'm going to bless you. And then after that great revelation, he is sent into years, over 25 years of dryness to where, uh, his wife was barren. And he became barren. And he went through this, this season, this dry season. And, uh, and to a point where Hebrews and, and Romans talks about Abraham and, Ham and Sarah, both bodies were dead and un, unable to produce children. They were in a season of dryness. But it prepared them for fruitfulness. It prepared them uh, for something greater in their lives. Israel at the Red Sea. Israel had just seen the greatest deliverance of any generation. I mean, miraculous, miraculous de deliverance. There were 10 mighty plagues that rained down on Egypt, and God supernaturally delivers them. They leave Egypt, and they head three days into the wilderness, and they're, they're carrying gold and treasures. They come out with a high hand. God has delivered them, and they come to a dead end. You know, dry times, seemingly, it, it seems like a dead end. It seems like you've reached a cul-de-sac in your faith and, and there's nowhere else to go. And, and their backs now are to the Red Sea and, and the most powerful army in the world is chasing them and they're closing in on them. And they can hear the enemy. God puts up a cloud, a barrier. But they can hear the enemy on the other side of that cloud breathing threats. They're standing on dry ground. There's a sea behind them, but there's nowhere to go. It seems like a dead end. There's, they hear the horses. They hear the soldiers. They hear the sound of armor at night. And they're, they're fearful. They're standing on dry ground and they're surrounded. And then you look at, at David. After, after being anointed king, God blesses him, pours the anointing on his head through Samuel. And, and he's, he's brought up through the ranks and he's, he's, he's revealed to Israel on the battlefield with Goliath. And he slays that giant. And then he goes on a, a, a campaign, a, a military campaign, and he is pushing back the enemy, the Philistines, out of the land. And the, and the young women start dancing and cheering his name. And he's, he's, he's killed his tens of thousands. He's experiencing great victory. He's the poster child for a victorious child of God. And in that place, and overnight, his, he, the, the, the rug is ripped out from under him. And he is, he is persecuted from uh, the jealousy of Saul, and he is sent into isolation. And he's sent into a wilderness, a dry land. And uh, David cries out in one of the Psalms, he says, I cry out for you in a dry and a thirsty land where there's no water. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. Uh, I'm out here, and there's only a step between me and death. He was on a knife's edge with his faith, but he kept crying out, and he was in that place for, for many years, living on dry ground. 
Then you've got Elijah. And after such a great victory on the mountaintop with the fire of God and, and all the prophets of Baal are, are slain and there's great victory that it starts to rain. I mean, God's just moving powerfully to this man's prayer and to his ministry and to his life. He's seen the boy raised from the dead. He's seen God do great things. And all of the sudden, this threat comes and he flees into the wilderness, into a time of dryness where he prayed, God, take me. My ministry is over. Again, a dead end. Folks, I want to tell you, sometimes that's, that's one of the worst feelings when you're on dry ground that you're at a dead end. You're at a cul-de-sac. There's nowhere for me to go. God, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And Elijah was there. And James says, you know, the great thing about prayer is, we're, you know, Elijah was, is, was a weak man just like us. He dealt with the same things just like it. So this is things that are common to the child of God. You've got the Apostle Paul. We'll fast forward. And, and, you know, in Corinthians, Paul had this great revelation given to him. He's called up to third heaven. He's, he's experiencing God in his ministry, people being saved and healed. I mean, so much so that, that, you know, they were laying, taking bits of his apron and laying them on people that were sick. And God was r- working through him special miracles. And, and there were people being saved. The church was being established. And he's called up to the third heaven, given revelation. The Bible says that he couldn't even describe in his own language. It was beyond the, the realm of, of his own language to describe what he saw. And, and he comes back down to earth and he's taken from that great experience to being impelled. That's his words. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. In the, in the Greek, it means there was a stake. A stake, not a thorn, not a rose thorn, but a stake. There was a wooden stake. Think of a, a vampire movie. He was, he was driven through in his flesh. He was impaled with something so painful, so difficult. And, and he was in this dryness of affliction where God wasn't answering and he had to pray and he had to pray again. And, and Paul says there was this awful messenger from hell that was speaking into his heart. And it was tormenting his mind. And I'm sure that messenger told him every dark thing about God. Every lie about who God is and God's character and God's people. Oh, God doesn't care about you. These people that you minister to, they don't love you. They've forgotten you. Your friends don't care about you. Every dark thought about himself comes up. Paul, look at yourself. What are you even doing preaching the gospel? You were responsible for killing Christians. You're a hypocrite, Paul. You're warring in your flesh. Oh, you're a wretch. You said it yourself. You're a wretched man. What are you doing preaching good news? Who are you to do this, Paul? And Paul says it was, it was so painful, this messenger from hell that, that was hurting me. And, and it was, it was very, very, it was very, very real in his affliction, in this dryness of affliction. And, and, and even if it was physical, folks, you know, there are people out there tonight, you know what it is to, to be struggling for healing. I know people in our own, our own ministry that have difficulty with their backs or different problems. And, and it's a long standing battle and it can be dryness. God, why? I'm in pain. I, I don't understand. I can't feel. I can't, I, I can't break through this. And then let's we'll save the best for last. There's Jesus. You've got the Son of God. He's baptized. He's baptized in the River Jordan by John. He comes up from the water. God speaks. The heavens open and God speaks to him and and speaks to that crowd and said, this is my beloved son. 
in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit comes down on him and fills him and touches his life. And immediately, the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 12, that he was driven into the wilderness into a 40-day dry spell where he was tested and pushed to his human limits. And the barrage of the enemy's taunts and his temptations came upon him in his most difficult hour. And that was the Son of God. That was Jesus. He passed through that same time of dryness. And in every one of these accounts from the Word of God, each one faced their most difficult season. And each one of them faced the same voices. God has left you. God is angry at you. Falling are finished. You're washed up. This is where you're going to finish your race, fruitless and dry. Look at how pathetic your prayers are. Look at how you used to pray, and now you have no appetite for prayer. Look at how you used to love the word, and, and look at how you used to sing the songs of Zion. And the enemy taunts in those seasons, and he comes against them. And, and he uses people as well. He, he speaks to those around us, those that are closest to us. Think about David and Saul. You think about others through the word of God, that the enemy uses people as mouthpieces from hell. I think about Job's wife when he was in that dry season. My goodness, where, where everything within him was falling apart. And, and she comes to him, his own wife, and says, why don't you just give up? Curse God and die, Job. Your faith is in vain. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe, that your faith is in vain. That God has forgotten you. That God has washed his hands with you. And I'm afraid for many believers in this modern, in this church era, in this time, that sends people into seasons of dryness with nothing but half-baked ideas about who God is. And, and when these seasons come, what are people relying on? Facing a fire of testing with very little understanding of, of God's way through dry seasons. And beloved, this is one of the most tormenting and testing times you can ever pass through as a Christian. But hear this, God doesn't want you or I to enter these seasons without his word and without seeing his hand. God doesn't want to leave you in confusion. We have to see that we are led into dry seasons. Look at what Paul says. He said, there was given me a thorn. The same God of revelation and glory trusted this godly man with a dry season. You look at that in Job's life. You look at that in David's life, in Abraham's life. Look at Jesus in Mark 1. is very clear. The Bible says he was led into this place of vulnerability into dependency and weakness so that what God had revealed in the river, in the wet times, when he was submerged, in the time when he had an open heaven, when he heard God's voice, in the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out, could be totally trusted in and established in his life before heaven and hell. So what God did in the river, God wanted to establish in the dry time. God wanted to make it real. God wanted to bring it out and, and, and show the world, show the enemy, show the powers of heaven, the, the, the angels and the demons, and, and, and show the spiritual uh, creation that his son had come. And it was going to be tested. What is God doing leading us into dry times? It's in these dry seasons that God shows us 
what was received in the fullness of power, in that experience, in that revelation. You think about summer fire. We love summer fire. What great seasons of revelation. But how many of you know you go back home and you hit a wall. You can hit that very difficult. But God spoke to me there. And, and, and it's in those seasons where those things that God has spoken are formed in you. It's in those seasons where those things that God has told you he was going to do get formed. And God does the work. You come into a rest in his word. Even when you're stripped of your own strength, Jesus had to totally rely on what God had said under the open heaven at his baptism. The first thing the enemy said, if you are the son of God, God had just opened the heavens and spoken, you are my son. That was the first thing that was tested. That was the first thing. And what did Jesus do? I'm relying on the word of God. I'm relying. This is what God says. This is what God says. I'm not, I'm not playing tricks. I'm not going to step into your snare. I'm not going to go down that road with you. I'm trusting in what I heard under an open heaven that I'm the son of God, that I belong to him, that he's leading me, that he has a plan in my life. And Jesus resisted, even in his frailty, even in his weakness. He was trusting wholly in what the father had spoken over his life. And in these seasons... All of hell has to take note. Everything that the enemy throws at you, everything that the enemy says, the enemy tests everything that God has said about you. And, and he has to take note that what is being wrought in your life is of God. It is opposed, it is tested, and in the dryness it is established as a work of God in your life. Everything that God has wrought will be tested. Everything that God has spoken will be proven. Everything that God has done to be to, to, done in your life will be proven to be his work. Where God alone will stand over it. Where we can't rely on anything at all but what God has said. And you see this as we're closing out here in the, in the life of Israel at the Red Sea. It's so clear. Just bear with me for five minutes. You see this in the life of Israel at the Red Sea. Four times the Lord says, I'm going to take you through. I'm going to take you through this impossibility. I'm going to deliver you from your enemies on dry grounds. Four times. And when God says something four times, we should take note. I'm leading you on the dry ground. You're not going to be, you're going to have a sure footing. It's going to be a, a, a time of dryness. I'm going to cause you to walk over on it. And, and it's going to be your deliverance. It's going to be a place where I'm going to show up and I'm going to stand over you. And I'm going to prove to your enemies that you are mine. And I delivered you. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you to myself. I'm going to see you through on this dry ground. So it's in that dry season where God rises to the occasion and begins to, to defend, begins to, 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 to come and stand over the work that he's done in your life where we can't defend ourselves, where we're weak and, and the enemy's taunts are so loud we can't hear his voice. God comes and says, that's okay. I've got this. I've, I'm watching over. You may not be able to feel me, but I'm fighting a battle for you. I'm fighting for your faith and I'm going to do something in you that can only be done on dry ground. 
You see, dry ground doesn't mean that you're going backwards. It means that you are moving forwards into the things of God and that God is establishing his work in your life. The Jews crossed over on dry ground and each step they took in that dryness, one step in front of another, day by day, and that's what Jesus said, day by day we're to trust him. Day by day, we're to put one foot in front of If we feel nothing, if we see nothing, we're to put, it may be dry, but I'm moving forward. It may be dry, but there's deliverance. It may be dry, but God has my back. It may be dry, and I may not see the end, but I know that there's an end for me. And it's not in a cul-de-sac. It's not in fruitlessness. It's not to, to die in this place of hopelessness. I know that my God has made a promise to me. God was working on their behalf, delivering them from the voices that had taunted them and testifying to heaven and hell and to the nations around them as the nations were watching. This is my people. Yes, they may be weak. Yes, they may be vulnerable. They can't deliver themselves, but here I am. I'm here to deliver them. This isn't about their ability. This is about the God who calls, the great I am, who brings people to himself, who begins to work. This is what it's about. And God is standing over them as they walk on dry ground, testifying of his beloved, testifying that these are chosen. Standing over what he had ordained. I love what Paul says. Who can lay anything to the charge of those who God has chosen? And it's in those weak seasons that we trust that. It's in those weak seasons that we have to, we have to flee to the refuge of God's word. God, I, I don't feel a thing. All I feel is, is bombardment from the enemy. The enemy is telling me to give up, to, to, to go away, that I'm going to die in fruitlessness. But I, I, I have to trust your word that no man can lay anything to my charge. You've chosen me. You've blessed me. You've called me. I didn't bring myself here. You brought me here. There was no weakness. There was nothing that that, that lot of, of, of Israelites and Jews, and there was a lot of things that God could have pointed out and, and started to pick them apart and said, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve deliverance. You don't deserve to go through this. But he didn't. He stood over them, even in their weakness. He knew what they were going to do. He knew they were going to complain. He knew, but God had established his word, and he was going to see them through. There was no weakness. There was nothing that they struggled with in that moment that, that, that God would allow him to, to, to allow him to stop from taking them on to where he wanted them to be. Think about it. Think about the people that were in that group of people that were crossing over. God saw all that, but he said, there's no weakness in them. There's nothing in them. I'm going to give them a victory because I'm God and I've chosen them. This isn't about who they are. This isn't about their righteousness and their spirituality. This is about the God who makes a promise and who doesn't lie. I'm going to bring them through. As they walked, the Bible says the wheels of the chariot started coming off. Hallelujah. And as you're walking forward on dry ground, you don't realize it. But every plan that the enemy has for you, every lie that he's sowing on you, his weaponry is starting to come apart as you just continue to trust, as you continue to move forward. I don't understand it. All I know is that I'm walking on dry ground and I'm going to trust God. 
I'm going to believe him. I may not feel him, but I know that God is doing something. And had they, had they looked back, had they been able to see, but you see, God had, had them hedged in and they couldn't see on the other side of that cloud. They couldn't see behind them. They couldn't even see the enemy. But had they been able to see, the enemy was in disarray. His wheels were coming off. His voice was about to be drowned. And folks, sometimes God hides what he's doing in the dry times from us so that when we look back, all we can see is that God brought us out. Hallelujah. And we've got to praise and we've got to glory. God took care of their enemies on dry ground. See, there's a deliverance that can only be had in dry ground. And in every instance, every one of God's children came out stronger after they walked on dry ground. Hallelujah. What a promise. I'm going to be honest with you. I think, I think it's harder to walk on dry ground than walking on water. And what I mean by that is when you see Jesus and everything is so wonderful, you know, and, and it's like when the, the, the disciples were sent out and doing miracles and Jesus was there with them. Oh, he's with us. I can see him. And, and it's wonderful. It's, it's easy to move in that kind of faith when you've got things there to support your faith is what I'm saying. But when everything is stripped away, when you're weak and you're vulnerable and you don't feel him and you can't sense him, that's where you've got to have that faith, to stand on dry ground and trust when you don't see him. God is leading you, child of God. If you're on dry ground, he's establishing you, saying before heaven and hell, this is my beloved. I'm standing over them. I'm bringing them through to develop a deeper trust, a deeper resolve, a greater rest. I love what it says about Christ. After he went through that dry season, the Bible says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And child of God, you're going to come out of this in the power of the Spirit. And you're going to have a, you're going to have a revelation. You're going to hear the voice of God in the good times. But you're going to know it after you go through the dry times. God showed it to me through revelation. But when I passed through that season where I had nothing to, to offer him, I had no, nothing to give him. I was broken. I was struggling. He came. He brought me out in spite of my weakness. And here I stand coming out of the wilderness like Song of Solomon says, leaning on my beloved. And I know he's for me. And there's an anointing and there's a power and there's a demonstration of the Holy Spirit when you begin to, to come out and, 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 and all of hell takes note of what God has done in your life. And people see it. And, and God's able to minister to your life. The Bible says he came out and he had compassion on the multitude. His heart was filled with compassion, not just because he was God, but he had passed through seasons of difficulty. He knew what it was to be taken to the extremities and to feel pain. And when he came out, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. God's going to give you compassion and empathy, the ability to listen, the ability to pray, the ability to speak in people's lives and say, God has you. He's bringing you through. And I want to say you're coming out of this season of dryness and the power of the Spirit with a greater faith, a greater peace, something a feeling can't give you. Hallelujah.
Something that's born of God. Something that's birthed in your heart that the devil can't take it away. The devil can't make you doubt. But you come through and there's such assurance. And your heart is settled. The Bible bears witness to that, that there's a settling happens in those difficulties. A victory that cannot be taken from you. I'm going to leave you with a scripture and I'm going to close in prayer. Isaiah 41, 17, 20. This is a promise to you. It's a promise to me in dry seasons. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue fails for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Hallelujah. On the dry ground, God's not forsaken you. I will open the rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water. And the dry land springs of water. I will plant. God's going to plant something in you. I will plant in the wilderness in that dry season a cedar. A shitter tree and the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together. God's going to put something in you that's going to be a lasting testimony. That they may see and know and consider and understand together. Listen to this. That the hand of the Lord had done this. Hallelujah. It's going to be his testimony. I was weak, I was broken, I was dry, but God came and he planted something in me. He filled me, he brought me out of the wilderness in the power of his spirit and he's put something in me that I've longed for. I've longed for stability, I've longed for strength and God has done it. Hallelujah. That's going to be your testimony. I want to encourage you with that tonight. If you're in a dry season, you're coming out. You're coming out. I've taken a little bit longer than I should have tonight, but I hope you're encouraged. I hope you know that God is leading you. Church, he's leading us in this season where it may not look like anything is leading us. God is leading his church. And it may seem like dry ground, but I can tell you that the chariot wheels are coming off. That God has a plan through this. And we're going to simply trust him. And we're going to believe him. Amen. Let's pray tonight. Father, I come to you and I pray for those who are in a dry spell. Those who are on dry ground, God, would you raise them up? Would you touch them tonight? Let them be encouraged tonight. Let them know that there's purpose in this. Let them know that they, they, they didn't bring themselves there, God, that you have led them into that season. Raise them up and bless them tonight. Strengthen them. Give them faith for the journey. Food for the journey ahead. Encourage them tonight, Lord. Let them know that the, seas, the great thing about seasons is they come to an end. And they're going to stand in victory as you plant things in their life that are not going to be shaken, not going to be taken. Fruitfulness, Lord. Bless your people tonight. Those that are in pain, those that are being impelled by affliction, those that are under the attack of hell. God bless them tonight and encourage them and help them come out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight. I thank God for you. I know God is doing a work in your life. Don't give up. Keep trusting. Every step you take on dry ground is taken for the glory of God. God's going to see you through. Join us the rest of this week. God bless you, church. Good to be with you tonight. Be encouraged. God loves you. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com. 
or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.